0: Hey, folks, I'm Tom. And this is Keith. And uh, you should know that by now if you're listening to this very program. We talk a lot about the Dunlap Champions Club. Often it has to do with football season, but the season is over. It's in the rearview mirror. But very important note here, don't put the Dunlap Champions Club in the rearview mirror. One
1: of these largest event spaces, the Champions Club is quickly becoming the go-to place for charity functions, meetings, and events. Located on the fourth floor, Champions Club consists of an east area, a west area, or you can buy them featuring floor-to-ceiling windows overlooking Bobby Bowden Field, providing a spectacular view for all of your guests. We've been there. We've done it. It's worth it.
0: Great event space. Uh, if the fourth floor doesn't suit your needs, there's also the sixth floor, whether it's the Southeast Terrace or the Southwest Terrace. Regardless of configuration uh, or number of folks, the Dunlap Champions Club, a great uh, event space and can accommodate your needs. For more information, Mr. Jones? Let's see. You should call the FSUChampionsClub.com. Excuse me.
1: FSUChampionsClub.com website. Call, do you call the website or do you, you just log into the website? You call the number. Oh, what's the number? The number is 644-1830 or, again, online, fsu.
0: Championsclub.com. He's Keith. I'm Tom. We're done.
2: Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee. This is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. Hello, everybody.
0: Tom and KJ. Still feels weird to think of National Signing Day for football being in December, the week before Christmas, but here we are and here it is. Well, and we've begun the process
1: of not saying early. It is now the signing day. The the February date is the late signing
0: day. Yeah, technically it is the early (laughs) early signing period, but you're right. That is the way it's referred to. You must get very excited uh, on days like today, Keith, because for all of the hard times I give you about technology and Facebook and Twitter and social media. We still crank up that fax machine on signing day, don't we? We, will, you know, I've never that asked that question.
1: I've never asked that question. Is can you not scan an email?
0: I think in? you can. I think. It, I think I've we just, just never recycle this joke yeah. every year at this point. But you're but,
1: correct, uh, and uh, and again, I'll remind our listeners: one of the happiest days in my corporate life is when they came out with the plain paper fax. As opposed to the thermal paper fax, because I was notorious for taking a fax in the old system and throwing it on the dashboard of my truck in the middle of the summer, and I'd come back two hours later and it'd be black because it reacted to the heat. So when plain paper faxes came out, I was a happy camper.
0: We now move forward to the 21st uh, century portion <laughs> of the show, and we talk about early signing day. Now, Keith and I, uh, as we put this show in the can, not all the pieces and parts have committed or signed, but uh, and at, candidly, we don't keep up with them and candidly, in that way anyway. we don't. Our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefell, will discuss those who have signed when he joins us next segment. Uh, but Willie Taggart uh, holding a press conference late this afternoon. And uh, let's just take a listen to, to Coach's evaluation uh, of how this signing day went. Obviously, Florida State, when you're coming off a 5-7 and seven season, there's an awful lot of holes to fill. We know the areas of need, offensive line, linebackers quarterback all on the table so let's listen to coach taggart as he met the media around four o'clock this afternoon
3: hello everyone good to see y'all once again it's been a while um today's a a good day for the nose as we build continue to build the football program got some great young men coming into our program that we're really excited about we feel like we um address some needs that we needed in our in our program and um, you know signing day is today through Friday and um, I'm sure there will be more to come and, and then you have a second part of it there that goes through January to the um, second signing period which um, I expect for us to continue to add on to, to the um, really good class that we have already but excited about the guys we have coming in and Um, can't wait till they get here All Coach, I know you kind of mentioned this is the first day Um, but for players who maybe have already determined that they're not going to sign early How does the coaching staff perceive them? Is it any negative view at all? And there's some kind of, usually fans, if guys don't sign early, they kind of get worked up about it Uh, how does the staff perceive them? Um perceive like every everything else I mean it's a tough decision for these young people and um, a lifetime to put decision for them and, and they got to make the best decision for themselves and make sure they're comfortable with the decision that they're going to make and so for um, guys not going to sign here during the early signing period and you can't get mad at him you know you got to respect the decision and keep working keep recruiting and making sure you you um, um, give him all the information you need about your your school to, to make sure that that's a place that he wants to be and, and, and a place that we want them to be as well. So um, I don't think you um, get upset or anything like that. You just got to keep working. And again, you know, at some point they're going to make a decision and you keep working, and keep the relationship like it's supposed to be. And hopefully that, that decision will be with you.
0: Chris?
1: Do you have an expectation of how many more guys between now and Friday and also
3: exiting this period? What's the biggest needs that you guys have remaining? Uh, no, you, you never have expectation when it comes to recruiting. Uh, anything can happen in these uh, next couple of days and, and uh, oh, this next month leading up to, to February. You know, we, you know we're going to sign the guys that we, we, we know we're going to sign and and there's some guys that are signed with us in, in February, and uh, but I think after going through this signing period, we we had a staff can regroup and then make sure that we finish off the the, um, the recruiting class the right way and in the, the right position that we need to.
4: Willie, uh, no quarterback recruits uh, signed so far, um, but you do have two months. Mm-hmm. I know you can't talk about individual players and prospects, but are there people, kids, you're looking at? Because, yeah. uh, you know, Florida State fans are a little bit worried that the, the kid committed to North Carolina. Did you guys see that coming, number one? And do you have, I don't want to call them backup plans, but do you have other irons in the fire at that position?
3: Yes, Florida State will be fine. We'll, we'll get a QB in here that we all like and all excited about. And we'll get someone in here that's going to help us win all games.
0: So, again, Keith, that's the comments of Coach Taggart. As you and I sit here, uh, we don't know how everything's going to fall. Some kids are going to wait and sign at the traditional signing period, what you referred to as the late signing period. (laughs) Maybe some more will come in in the next day or two, Uh, and we'll have our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Lenefeldt, you know fill in some blanks on on some of the names you heard there but again as you and i are conversing we don't know what happened on the quarterback front and that to me is the the biggest piece so i don't know how much we can opine on that because right now sam howell is probably at north carolina but i don't know
1: the the issue also is that there's two parts to that puzzle because obviously by reports published or otherwise uh, fsu is potentially in the running for at least listed uh, for a transfer quarterback so it may be that their quarterback is not one who signs it's one who transfers which will be a whole nother conversation for a whole nother time if and when that comes about uh, and certainly we have an experience with that with Goldman that I, I guess you would grade out as Golson being, Golson I'm sorry Goldson. that you would grade out as you know okay or average it wasn't terribly good wasn't terribly bad uh, but that might be another route that FSU and coach Taggart chooses to take uh, re- relative to that we'll just have to wait and see
0: yeah, and again, because we're recording before we know where these dominoes fell, I don't want to uh, protract that conversation uh, on the quarterback. I, except to say this, related to Justin Fields being interested in transferring, who played his freshman year, so if he transfers, would potentially try to get a waiver from the NCAA to be eligible next year. But if you take him and he's not eligible next year, that means you get him for one year in 2020, and it is, is it worth that Considering other people you may lose along the way. And I think the answer is yes, because he's that talented. But I do think that that sort of delays and doesn't really solve anything for 2019 if the chips fell that way.
1: And not to belabor the point on him, but I haven't read, you You, you update me, did he play enough this year that he can't redshirt? Yes. Okay, so he appeared in enough games. Because there was another issue uh, relative to a, to a transfer that uh, will end up getting a, a redshirt if he chooses to said transfer from Alabama. And we'll have two years of eligibility as I count it. But
0: we'll wait and see on that too. Okay, let's talk basketball good subject well I mean the team does play tonight yes they do Tim Tim Linnefeld will get back to recruiting and we'll hear more from coach Taggart later in the program uh general thoughts Phil Kofer played the other night didn't make a shot he's back what did he play five minutes, 10 minutes? five minutes uh, all in the
1: first half took uh, four shots missed all of them they were they were close they hit the rim they weren't air balls uh that's going to be a process and and again uh remind our listeners of my comment from last week and ongoing Coach Hamilton, you know is going to be exercising extreme caution m j uh, did not even dress he turned that ankle what nine ten days ago uh when Florida State was playing uh, against yukon didn't even dress uh and and hold him out uh they're going to ease Kofer back in gently and and slowly is my opinion and it'll take him a while to get his legs underneath him uh basketball is 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 one of the unique sports. I guess all of them are unique to themselves if you, if you really boil it down. But getting into basketball shape is a difficult thing to do when you're trying to rehab an injury. And so you get the injury healed, and then you get back into shape, and that's what's going to take for Phil. So it's an automatic W tonight, though. One would think. If it's not an automatic W, then uh, the conversation will turn real quickly. Well,
0: the other night didn't I thought it was an automatic W, and then at halftime I was scratching my head a little bit.
1: Well, yes, but at the end it was – well played, and and so uh, you know, as long as they win uh, tonight, no, we'll be that's okay. exactly
0: right. And the biggest challenge left on the non-conference comes up Saturday, uh, down in the Orange Bowl. Classic. And evidently,
1: you've done a little homework because I haven't even looked ahead to them uh, as it relates to their record and what they've got. So you're you're a little well, bit higher on St. Louis than I, or a little bit farther along on St. Louis than I am.
0: That's the game on Saturday. We'll be down there to call that, and then you get Winthrop, and then uh, welcome to the ACC. Here's Virginia on the road. Pack your parka for that one, KJ. <laughs> Hey, Madison Social has well. We know they've they've already been in the big time, so I don't think it's fair to say that they've made the big time. But uh, speaking of basketball, that have Monday they night, have they been recognized in another way? Well, than, the other than night, previously. the the, uh, the ESPN uh, broadcast, the ACC Network Extra broadcast, uh, opined about the BLT dip at uh, Madison Social. There you so go. They have gone uh, worldwide uh, again. I think they already were, but uh, you need to know, especially uh, locals, between December twenty first and twenty third, twenty percent off your bill at Madison Social. And uh, if you're one that hasn't made your way down to college town because you're scared of the students, they're all now's a good time. So now's a good time to do that, right? It's always a good time to fire up the uh, Earl Bacon Agency hotline to talk to our Seminoles.com insider Tim Linnefeld. And we will do that right after we do this.
2: Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Christmas is the time to say I love you. Share the joys and laughter and the cheer. Christmas.
0: Speaking of laughter and tears, our Seminoles.com insider. Tim I thought he NFL, was tears and laughter, something like that. He's on the Earl Bacon Agency hotline. That music, by the way, we just uh, well, I guess it's Billy Squire, but we ripped it right from the Jeff Cameron show because he likes to use that as well. So I th- appreciate that, Jeff. Tim, how are you? Well, I'm doing great. how about you? Good. We didn't really vet that one with you, but uh, you know, it's the last one before the holidays, so and we... it's
1: our show. We can do what we want. Yeah, though. exactly. That's fair. It's a good point.
0: So, but it's also signing day. Uh, it's still peculiar to me that this is the week before Christmas and we're talking about football signees. I guess I'm old school because I went through 30 years of the other way yeah and I was kind of curious as to how many I mean when they first introduced this I thought some would sign and most would wait but it really has turned into the other thing the majority are going to sign now and that's just the way it is it's the new norm
5: yeah that's funny about uh, that a little bit of a before you saw and yeah I think uh, you it know, really you see it now already more and more I think this uh, this signing period this sign day the uh, what we think of as National Signing Day and certainly what younger players think of as National Signing Day. And then the one in February almost uh, seems like it's on its way to becoming an afterthought, right? I mean, this is the one. And, uh, and you know, I, I kind of like it, to, uh, to be honest with you. It sort of makes sense to have it um, you know, not long after the season, before the bowls really, really get going, before the playoff games and all that. You know, kind of keep that news cycle turning. Uh, if by chance you're a program that if it doesn't have a bowl game to look forward to, it's a, it's a way to, uh, to to you know find some optimism and find some things to feel good about heading into the, of the offseason. I kind of like having it here.
0: Yeah, I do wonder, and we wouldn't know because Florida State hasn't been in this position, but if you're getting ready for a playoff game or a significant bowl game right now uh, and can't get on the road as much recruiting, do you like it right now? Or maybe the fact that you're in the headlines for the right reasons... Uh... Helps carry the torch, so to speak, leading up to
5: this yeah. Day. I think it probably has, and and you know uh, this this time of year in, in December, coaches are always out recruiting anyway. So I don't know. Uh, I mean, obviously there's a little bit more emphasis knowing that guys can sign, but I, I think that in terms of the time spent recruiting, I mean, I think they were always you know, spending this time, uh, you know, between the, the end of the regular season, and the start of the Bulls, uh, getting out recruiting. So I, I'd be curious to ask, uh, you know, the coaches uh the the differences but i imagine it's not
1: too too significant well i disagree with you it is absolutely horrible for the coaches and it's and, and a result of that there's always a contrarian in exactly the it's, usually like keith. It. it's usually keith exactly and and what happens guys that that is going to create some issues down the road is the programs that can afford these analysts that can can have these former coaches that are assisting the current coaches and know how to do and what to do, they're the ones that are getting the advantage in this signing period because during the season, your full-time assistants can't recruit. They can make a few phone calls, but they can't spend time studying tape. They can't spend time corresponding. They yeah, your can't point is you, you got an army that's doing you, the game planning you, for you behind and the, and the and scenes. And if you don't have that army, uh, Tim, I'd be interested in your comment as well, if you don't have that army, your full-time assistants can't be doing that work. And, and I think you're going to see some legislation from the NCAA relative to that at some point in time because the Alabamas and the Ohio states of the world have have these guys back in the, in the, in the, in the trenches that never see the light of day that do all the homework because you have to do it while you're coaching. And you, you can't do two things at one time, Tim.
5: No, that's a fair point. Yeah, I'd be curious to see uh, like the idea of some legislation that would help protect against that sort of thing. It wouldn't surprise me. Uh, it's easy to forget, you know we're only in the second year of uh, of this uh, this system. It feels like it's been uh, a little bit longer, so I think you know you're still working out some of the um, i guess we'd say un- unexpected repercussions and that sort of thing that, that goes along with it. Uh, but it's definitely a change. Um, I think again, I think from a fans' perspective, which is kind of what I was uh, you know getting at from the beginning, I think it's uh, you know a pretty pretty good thing and a pretty cool thing, but uh, again, maybe, uh, maybe like you said it is an additional stressor for the coaches and uh, those, those guys already have plenty of those anyway, right?
0: Well,
1: and Tom and I, you know, had that sit-down conversation with Willie to uh, tell him exactly how he needed to go about this and what he needed to attract. And, of course, he's listening to us. So we told him we needed offensive linemen and linebackers. How are we doing?
5: <laughs> well, you know, I'm looking at the, uh, what we know so far, and, and obviously um, there's uh, there, there's still uh, you know, the gap between when we and when Willie Tiger's press conferences and when the more guys in. But really kind of what jumps out at you, Uh, When you look at the the signees that are in, I think there's 12 in right now uh, when we're talking about this, and you're looking at at addressing some of those needs. There's three linebackers in that group that have already signed, two offensive linemen uh, in that group that have already signed, two defensive backs, a receiver, and four defensive linemen. So, yeah, man, I mean, when you look at one, you know, your your most glaring need from a year ago, obviously the the linebackers and the offensive line were, were tops on that list. And then when you take it a step further and think about what you're losing, uh, this year, uh, you know, you're losing some pretty key pieces on that defensive line, and uh, you know, as we used to always say, the previous staff, and I'm sure this staff, like, you can never have too many defensive lines. Yeah, uh, so uh, it's it's quite apparent that uh, you know we weren't the only one uh, thinking that uh, that there were some obvious positions in need. the state. and uh, you know, it looks like they've they've at least gotten a start on addressing those things.
0: You know the way recruiting works is whoever commits early, we forget about them, and whoever flips late becomes a bigger deal. There's some sort of multiplier effect. So that's in play for Marie Smith out of Miami Central, who was committed to Boston College. He's a three star, and over the weekend or in the last week or so, ends up flipping, and becoming an FSU guy. I, I mean, I, how much is that multiplier effect, and what can you tell us about Maurice Smith, Tim? Uh,
5: you know, I you know for, for me personally, again as a college football fan, my thought is. Uh, if an if a, if offensive lineman that Boston College wanted, uh, he's probably worth having. Him. I mean, those guys always turn out good offensive linemen and, and have good running games and all that sort of thing. So, you know, I think that's a good thing. And then, I, you know, I like, and he's one of, I think, three right now from Miami. if you also find a pair of guys from Miami at Carroll City. Uh, I think it's really important to uh, to keep that recruiting lifeline open in Miami. It, uh, it's still enrolling uh, in the 90s. You know, they recruited Miami really, really well. And then when things went south. They, uh so they didn't go south uh, in terms of going to Miami. And then when they got back on track under Timber and those guys, you know, that's for recruiting Miami. So to see Florida State still having success at, you know, Miami Central, Miami Carroll City, that's a really, really good thing. Uh, to me, I know that's kind of a, a, a bigger picture um, look at, at what you were asking. Um, but you yeah, got man, I as far as Roy Smith, so was, again, uh, 6'2", 287 pounds, played at Miami Central, and, and you know, when, when a kid plays, uh, in Miami, plays at a, a school like Central. You know he's playing against legitimate, you know, tough competition. Right? He's playing against guys that are all likely going to be playing D one, uh, if not next year, than the next couple of years. Which is a, you know, sometimes a concern I think you have when you start going different places of the country and you wonder about the level of competition and that sort of thing. You know, if a guy's playing at Miami Central, he's playing against different players.
0: Tim, let's talk about the important stuff. Are we really still using a fax machine?
5: <laughs> I think so. Yeah, right.
0: I mean, no, but I'm being serious. Like, can you not scan, like, sign and scan and send? Do we really still have to use a fax?
5: I, you know, what's funny about that is like, you, know, like you laugh about the fax machine being so out of date. I mean, what's the last time you used a scanner to send the thing, right? I mean, that's nice piece of out of date technology, and that's like a, you know, that's like fast forward into the future and playing a fax machine.
0: Either way, I'm just curious about it. It's like somebody heavily tied into recruiting uh, insists that a fax machine still be part of the legislation
5: or the process. It's part of the uh, the pattern.
0: Do you have a a favorite signing day story, Keith, since you're a big signing day guy? Or Tim, I'm giving you a chance. I'm going to Keith first, Tim, so you can come up with your best. uh...
1: You know – Obviously, the only signing day that had great significance to me was when I signed, and and I remember the, the local newspaper sent a photographer over, and Jim Gladden, uh, I, I, when I signed, you physically signed a piece of paper in front of somebody. They hadn't invented the fax machine back then, if you'll recall. And uh, Coach Gladden came to my house, and, and my mom and dad were there, my little brother and sister, and my girlfriend, and the reporter. And I signed, and he took some photographs of me. And then I said, let's take a picture with Coach Gladden. And Coach Gladden says, you can't take a picture with me. I can't be
0: in the picture. That was a rule back then. Um, But he could be there because because they subsequently changed it because coaches from different staffs would show up and basically argue over the players and create a scene. So they changed those rules. exactly.
1: Uh, So I don't have, other than my own signing day, I don't have a signing day story. Tim, do you have one that stands out at you, Uh, something unusual or or even comical?
5: Um, not really, you know. There's so many of them over the years. I guess they kind of, uh, they kind of all blend together. But I do remember the I mean, one of the times that I went on the road. Uh, to cover a signing day ceremony was uh, was Kenny and He played over at Lake City at uh, Columbia High School, and I went over to cover his signing. And uh, I remember thinking, what a cool, uh, just kind of scene it was. I mean, the you know he, he was in the auditorium. The place was packed. I think he had a you know one of his little cousins up on stage with him, and uh, he said. You know, at the time, um, what he, he didn't pick Florida State. He said at the time that you know he was making his decision um, based on you know how uh, what, what was going to help best him take care of his family and, and take care of uh, you know, all the young know, people in his life that looked up to him, and, and he thought Florida State was, uh, was the best way to do that. And uh, you know, turned so out he was right. It was pretty cool going over there and seeing you know, I football mean, I mean, I mean, football's a big deal you know, across the state of You know, smaller town, big like city, and, and Columbia High School, which you know has a pretty big football position to see the way that community kind of rallied around him and then going on to watch his, uh, watch his career unfold for a state now in the NFL is going
0: to I don't have a specific story. I just have a theory. And the folks that cover recruiting will dispel this these days because it's a livelihood for those outlets that do it. But I, I just have always thought that the – you've heard me say this every year. The more drama surrounding a player – the more hype, the less actual production it equates to during said hyped player's college career. And maybe that's not uh, the same as what it once was. It just feels like that's the way it was. For whatever it's worth, I concur. (laughs) I don't know if Tim does or not. It just feels like there's been a lot of them. The longer they wait, the more they're flip-flopped. They are flip flopping they do not know where they're going. They sign at the 11th. Their mom's putting pressure on them. They pick up a different hat. It just ends up not living up to what you thought the
5: five-star hype may be. That's me. That way, we uh, examples, but uh, but by the same token, man, you know, if uh if, if it's down to that point, I mean, he's probably a heck of a player, and uh, I think this pick would. I uh, would say, you know what, we'll, uh, we'll take our chances.
0: Well, that goes to the: Would you rather have all five stars? What's the perfect recipe? Keith over here wants eighty-five three stars. <laughs> Recru- I, do. Recru- I do. Recruiting folks want eighty-five five stars. No,
1: I want. I want. I want a I think... of fours and a bunch of threes and maybe one or two fives
0: along no, the way. No, you need more fives than that because no, those guys no, live in the NFL. No, I don't know no. the perfect. What do you think the perfect recipe is there, Tim? Is it? Is it? Well, obviously you'd take fifty percent five stars, but that's not necessarily realistic unless you are Alabama. Is it? Is it twenty-five percent five stars and and twenty-five to forty-five percent four stars? Where do Where do we need to fall on that scale?
5: Well, me, uh, that's an all. I don't think there is a, a specific like formula uh for that. I mean, you know there's been studies done that have shown that, you know, um I think I was that a little bit ago that of the, of the four playoff teams uh this year the the their average recruiting ranking over the last, you know, four or five years it's like the final signing class ranking is no worse than 12. And and that's Notre game. If you remove that from the equation it's it's even higher than that. I think you know, Alabama and Thompson are up in the top five. Um, and, and, you know, you, you know they've done on the recruiting uh, scene. Look, I mean, the, the fact is, if you don't get a certain number of, of, of four- and five-star guys, percentage to say that you're of the national championship or, or a lot smaller, I mean, that's just based on he's been in the, uh, the, the playoffs and the championship games over the last you know, five, eight, ten years, whatever the case may be. Now, granted, there's also something to be said for the fact that Five years anyway, which obviously few things. But the fact is, you know, those teams making it. So, you know, I do think there's
0: a correlation there? Well, and then there's the flip side, which is Florida State's finished in the top five or top ten for years, and, and we're looking at the record right now. So, there, there's, there's, yeah. it's not an automatic slam dunk. And I think that's
5: the, the overall takeaway: correlation is not you. know, with what have you. You know it's, it's not an automatic affair.
0: Tim, we're going to let you go. We appreciate your insight as always. Happy holidays, by the Merry way. Merry Christmas.
5: Guys, thank you. Uh, yeah,
0: wait awesome. by the mailbox on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day for that special something from uh, Mr. Jones and I.
5: I appreciate it, guys. I'll be on the lookout.
0: Yeah, especially on Christmas Day. You wait for that postman, okay? <laughs> Our Seminoles.com insider, yeah. Tim I couldn't. I couldn't finish without taking another shot. That's what we do every week. Even.
1: Well, and the other thing I would talk about when he talks about the rankings and everything, even with Clemson and Alabama, you can look at those rankings, okay? What's the percentage of the playing time of the kids – In other words, they might have had four fives and four fours and 12 threes, but then when they get to their senior year and their junior year, the threes are playing 80% of the snaps, and the five has flunked out or gotten in trouble or wanted to transfer, blah, 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 blah. That's just the stat and the statistics I'd like to see. I
0: know where you're coming. I think if you you have more better players, you're going to end up with a better result. More better? More better.
1: That's a good Wildwood phrase. I've, I didn't say I'm, I didn't
0: say mo better. I said more better. I'm
1: winning him over, Matthew. I'm winning him over. That's a good Wildwood thr- phrase.
0: The more better players you have, the better off you are. If that's a better way to say that, or it's, a more it's, better it's, it's way, it's mo better. <laughs> but I do think there's something to be said for for glue guys and some guys that that maybe uh, you know their egos are checked but their work ethic is unparalleled or they don't even you know sometimes you get a guy that's just the way he's wired yes he cares about winning or losing but he's more interested in beating your ass every play than what the scoreboard says and fsu has not had enough of those guys since 2013
1: well and as a segue into our next segment we're going to talk with a guy that fits that bill and we're going to talk about a guy that fit that bill not only glue guys but guys
0: that were going to whip your ass on every
1: play regardless of what the scoreboard said
0: He's Keith. I'm Tom. We're only halfway through. Stay with us here on Front Row Knowles.
2: Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith.
0: Back on Front Row Knowles, Tom and KJ with you. You know, we've been looking forward because it's signing day, and so we're talking about the future of Florida State. But uh, we need to reflect. The, the FSU community knows uh that it lost T.K. Weatherell this week and the services are Friday at uh, at Ruby Diamond Auditorium and uh, Keith he was uh, obviously very successful on the political front hugely successful at TCC and at FSU really left a mark on this this town and across FSU as a whole but going back further than that it started on the football field and I think a lot of folks may not uh, be aware of T.K.'s prowess um, in that vein and so that said I, I want to welcome to the program John Crow, who's a uh, teammate of tk's back in in the day they went in the fsu athletics hall of fame the same year in 1991 and and john is now co-chair of the Seminole boosters unconquered campaign how are you sir good thank you tom appreciate you. you spending a, a few minutes with us here and uh, i i guess a, and i know as we speak you're you're headed back to tallahassee for the for the services on friday what are you going to remember about tk well
4: um i recently had a chance to interview him for a book that Dale McCullers and I have completed. And I asked him, TK, what do you want to be remembered for? And he thought for a brief moment and said, I want to be remembered for making things better wherever I was and whatever I was doing. And I think that's the case. Whatever TK was involved with, he made things better. He made me better as a defensive back, primarily because you could really count on him. He had such great speed, and um, as the corner, he was just uh, great, great to play with
1: John much much like me, uh, I think all of us uh, old timers start characterizing ourselves and said what what kind of recruit would we have been? Would we have been a three star a four star a five star and, and I'm of the opinion that the vast majority of, of the John Crows and the T.K. Weatheralls of the world were, were three stars that made themselves better in college. Uh, I, I know they were unique talents that, that T.K. in particular had with his speed, but I, I've always been impressed with his work ethic and his intelligence, and, and I, I would imagine that's the kind of football player he was.
4: Oh, I think you're right, Keith. I think like myself, we didn't have that many football scholarship opportunities uh, T.K. really didn't play varsity high school football until those last two years. He was too busy with his fishing guide business and his uh, smoke mullet, selling it at the races at Daytona Beach to play football. But he came up to Florida State with Bill Mormon. They were sort of a package from Daytona Maitland. And uh, they, you're absolutely correct. Uh, they made themselves into exceptional performers and athletes. And T.K. Is, uh, fits that same kind of uh, persona.
1: There's a pretty famous play that folks might be uh, either non-remembering or didn't know about. I think involving a kickoff one time with him. Is that is, is my memory serving me correctly?
4: <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. He has two. He and Mormon together had uh, did that play twice in '65 and '66. Uh, once against Miami. That's uh, Mormon catches the kickoff, runs up the 17 yard line, and then laterals across the field. to TK and TK uses his speed and a wall of blockers to go uh, the distance. Has a long, still has a long, combination kickoff return, I think, in the history of Florida State. And they didn't do it just once. They did it twice. <laughs> Keith, uh, they were special.
0: Keith, when you said a memorable play are not remembering i thought you were talking about the lane fenner catch because <laughs> that's I, another tk special <laughs> when you talk about sticking in the craw and that that predates me but uh, what doesn't is it might have been 10 or 12 years ago when florida came to tallahassee and tk had a huge photo a picture of that blown up and post it in the press box. Oh, yeah, I remember. And, and just, you know, speaking candidly, uh, Dave Hart was the AD then, wasn't in favor of it, and took that thing down. But 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 the bigger point, and, and along with that, the media guide for FSU was actually altered to call that game a win. And, and, John, maybe in your mind you still count that as a win, but that's how passionate and how much TK was going to fight for FSU.
4: Oh, yeah. You know, if, if uh serves me right, he wanted to put that uh, photo on the field, and they wouldn't, they wouldn't let him do it. Um yeah, that was an amazing game. That was our, my sophomore year, his junior year, and Lane Finner made that catch. In fact, one of the, the two defensive backs covering uh, Lane on that pass both uh, would verify that he made the catch. Uh, Larry Rents and Bobby Downs. Uh, they might not today, but they, they did back then.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, do we have that on the record? Yeah. Can we go back and change this thing now? John <laughs> Dodd.
4: Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't say it's on the I wouldn't say it's on the record, but Larry <laughs> spoke to me about it. It's
1: in your record, that's for sure. Tom and I <laughs> yeah, were talking about, right. uh, you know, uh, guys that make people around them better, and people that will fight and 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 will go hard every play, regardless of what the scoreboard was. I think my favorite and biggest memory of TK is the is the passion in which he literally fought. The NCAA over the Seminole moniker and and, oh, and the yeah. nickname and 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 to me as a former athlete that's that's one of the things I supported TK in, in the most in uh, as it related to athletics.
4: I agree with you. His relationship with the members of the tribe has been always strong, and it's it's been a uh, a rewarding uh, relationship for both the tribe and Florida State, and we have a lot. To thank TK for making that uh, solid.
0: Yeah, that's one of many things that happened on his watch as as FSU's president. Could you tell back then when you saw him as a player, did he have those kind of leadership skills that you thought this guy was, you know, he was headed to the heights that he, uh, he ultimately went to?
4: Oh, yeah. Uh, TK had a way of, uh, I go back to his uh, smoke mullet thing. He'd take that smoke mullet to the uh, parking lot at the Daytona Beach 500, and he, he turned mullet into money, and he had a way of, Getting people to follow him and turn uh, mullets <laughs> into money—he had a way of taking things and making it better. Uh, you could—you t- could tell he was going to go far and be a leader. I mean, he stepped off the football field into the uh, I was an academic advisor for the team. I remember I was a graduate assistant teaching math, and he had a whole freshman basketball team in my class. And he told me if they don't come, you call me. They'll be there every day, and they were—and they were good students. He was a leader.
0: You shared with me yesterday, and I forget the exact line. But what was the uh, the coach Pete, uh, the coach Peteism in regard to you guys going in the Hall of Fame the same year?
4: Oh yeah, he coach Pete congratulated us and said that we were both being indicted into the Hall of Fame the same year.
0: <laughs> As a side note, and, and I mentioned to you, I I, I did not know Coach Pete, uh, but I've heard these stories. Uh, what what do you remember about him?
4: Well he you know he had a way of uh, mixing up words, but the genius in it is you remember what he was trying to tell you for years and years and years because of the unique way he said it like I want you men to pair off in threes and line up in a circle alphabetically by height And <laughs> what he really meant was I want you guys to be back uh, each other up and be together and do it in a unique and innovative way. so yeah uh, I think he had a stroke of genius with the way he mixed up words.
1: He certainly was a unique uh, guy. Another unique guy that you guys uh, had on staff there that would end up with a little notoriety at Florida State was, of course, Coach Bobby Bowden. And one of the negative things that's associated with TK, unfortunately, and I think wrongfully so, is that uh, it was his watch when uh, Coach Bowden was – "Quote unquote retired," uh, and I know that that stuck in Bobby's crawl for a little while. But uh, Coach, not one to hold grudges, and TK, one to continue to reach out, and I think um, that relationship was amended uh, a little bit, and and I and I, I think uh, they ended up reconciling somewhat, and that was good to see. I think.
4: I think you're right. They did, and, and certainly, it's uh, um, both of them did what they thought they had to do, and um, but both of them have strong faith and and uh believe in forgiveness it's easier uh, easier forgive than forget so i think they've they've done the right thing and are squared
0: and for those who who aren't aware bobby baden was the receivers coach uh, or was on staff as an assistant coach uh, during tk's playing days so they had a long relationship uh, oh, yeah from, from back in those days well i know uh you know just working at the university that nobody really knows what the turnout is going to be like this friday but when you consider what he did for fsu then tcc and florida state's a mile from the state capitol uh and the ceremony is at one o'clock at ruby diamond uh ruby diamond concert hall on friday it's going to be quite the turnout of folks coming to to pay their respects to tk and i, I know you'll be one of them
4: yeah um, i'll be there and uh i think you're right it will be um it would be well attended because he was so popular across so many lines. I I know the students aren't there at this time, but I'm sure if they were, it would be uh, almost impossible to get into the auditorium. Maybe anyway.
0: (laughs) It's, uh, well, we, we appreciate a few minutes of your time. I I do want to give you one chance just on a completely different subject. You are co-chairing the uh, Seminole Boosters Unconquered campaign And uh, as I understand it, things are going pretty well at this point in in terms of the fundraising, considering that really it wasn't officially launched until, I guess, the night before the Virginia Tech game in in September this year.
4: Uh, Correct, and it is going quite well. And I think that's a compliment to the staff of the Boosters, Andy Miller's team. Uh, They've got a great group. And I'll tell you, as a co-chair, when you run into things, you say, well, it's going to be a little difficult now, you know, we didn't have such a Stellar years we had expected in football, but they just had an amazing uh, run. And that uh, right now, it's uh, maybe a little premature to share these numbers. I might get in trouble, but we're, we're over sixty million in pledges, a hundred million, and we're just in our first year. So uh, off to a good start. Uh, the staff is really—they um, get out there and uh, encourage uh, people to get involved, and that's—it's uh, it's exciting. Exciting to be part of it.
0: Well, congratulations on that great start, and and condolences on the loss of uh, a good friend of yours and and a valuable member of the Florida State community. We appreciate the perspective, John.
4: Okay, I, I feel like I've lost uh, another brother in TK, and he certainly will be remembered and uh, it's been special in my life, and I've uh, really valued the time we had together. Thanks. So, thank you guys. All right, thank you, thank
0: John. You. John Crow, a uh, teammate of of TK Weatherells. they went into the Hall of Fame the same year uh indicted into the Hall of Fame. Indicted. As, That's hilarious.
1: As coach Pete put it. You know, I have the I have the privilege of serving with John on the Varsity Club board of directors and um you know, he he just moved back to Tallahassee a, a couple of years ago when he retired. He's been gone. And a lot of folks, our listeners uh, may not appreciate or know Uh, how important a guy John Crow is because when he retired, he was president uh, of Buckeye Cellulose. And, I mean, this is a Fortune 500 company. He brings a wealth of uh, CEO, uh, big-picture background, and a passion for Florida State. And uh, I think he's going to continue to build upon and do great things now that he's got some time. Uh, to devote, and he's just a quality, quality guy. I mean, John is just salt of the earth. His word is his bond, and uh, just a great guy to know. Great guy to know.
0: Very well said, and uh, sort of an interesting uh, juxtaposition on the show. In that we're talking about uh, potential future stars from Florida State in the same week, uh, same time that we're reflecting back on uh, on a real leader for FSU. So, uh, I know several listening will be on hand to pay their respects to TK on on Friday. And when we come back, Keith, uh, we will share a commonality between you and TK that our listening audience may not be aware of you don't even know what it is is that, with that I, look, I, I'm, I'm waiting. I can't wait i can't wait can we hurry back we'll hurry back on front row Knowles. i'm running down the train
2: Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith.
0: Thanks to John Crow for joining us and sharing his perspective on his good friend T.K. Weatherell, who will be remembered at services uh, this Friday at FSU. Uh, again, Keith, you and you and T.K., you know what it is. I do now. You probably. do You do now. Our listening audience doesn't. And you're going to have to wait longer, folks, because I'll remind you that if you have a do-it-yourself project that needs to be finished, go visit Ron and his staff at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener for all your power tool needs. A couple locations to choose from. Does Ron know this commonality? I'll ask him next time. Okay. Well, if he's listening, he will have had a head start. They've been serving the Big Ben since 1995, and they've been serving our show for uh, for a few years now, and We we do appreciate it. Very much. That. Very much. So here it is. What number did Keith Jones wear in his playing days number twenty eight, and what number did T.K. Weatherell wear number twenty eight?
1: T.K. and I, in fact, we were I, maybe I made this story up, but I maybe when maybe even before he became president of Florida State, I remember being somewhere in the stadium, and it was it was after Warwick Dunn had had his his jersey retired, and I remember both of us either commenting, I, I think we might have even been in the stadium and were pointing and saying, you know, if they ever go away from uh, the the full um, picture of the player who had his number or jersey retired and just have the number, then he and I could point out to people that our jersey had <laughs> been retired. <laughs> but as long as Warwick's wearing it, obviously everybody knows what it is. But, yes, we, we shared the number. And, and for those that don't know, and it's kind of, I guess it's squirrely for athletics, but that, that commonality of numbers is so important that in the FSU Media Guide, they actually list the players by number. And uh, and everybody goes in and makes sure they know who p- wore before and after. And, you know, you can start remembering folks that way as a former player. Um uh, Rocky Kinsey wore my number immediately after me. And, of course, Warwick Dunn did and Dedrick Dodge and, and, uh, and Chris, Chris Hope. Hope. Uh, and you just you just kind of identify with that because uh, with that helmet on, not a lot of people get to see your face. In my case, that's a pretty good thing, face made for radio. and But they
0: do remember the jersey, and you get identified with that, and that's okay. Anything else we need to add on the front? I started working at the university when TK was president, so I used to, to interact with them. I'm not going to say uh, – frequently is too strong regularly might even be too strong but it was more than occasionally I'll put it that way my last my, my last conversation with TK
1: ironically was at a Duke uh, was in Durham North Carolina uh, on the Saturday morning before a Duke FSU basketball game TK had accompanied the team he was under the care of uh, some of the Duke physicians for his cancer and he had gone up with us and we were staying at the Washington Duke Inn which is right on the edge of campus <laughs> And um, I walked downstairs on a Saturday morning, and he was drinking coffee. There's a little sunroom down there. And he invited me to get a cup of coffee and join him. And he and I sat there for not long, 20 minutes or so, and just chatted about things. Can't remember you. I can't even remember any of the topics. I could just remember being flattered. That someone like T.K. Weatherall would take the time to have a have a twenty minute private conversation with a Keith Jones, uh, he was a quality quality guy. He he had his detractors. He had some people that uh, didn't like his mannerisms or his ways, but there was no absolutely no hesitation on his part when anything FSU related came up. He was a seminal true and uh, true and true and through and through, and uh, it's a great loss to the university.
0: It is, and that's uh, that's well stated on your behalf, uh, KJ. Okay, let's let's uh, change topics. Go back to where we started. It is National Signing Day, the early signing period, which runs through Friday. And uh, as we put this show in the can, so to speak, to use uh, insider lingo, I guess uh, we're not doing it live, is what I'm saying. So we don't know where all the parts and pieces. Well, we're doing film. it live. Yes, we're we just li- hearing it taped. Yes, we <laughs> <laughs> we are alive. <laughs> And tape is not the right word either now. I, well, know, I get what you're saying. This is what Willie Taggart said late this afternoon about whomever Florida State signed. and whatever medium he was speaking with. Live or taped or Memorex. What, uh, what were, when you came into this recruiting cycle, what were the biggest needs that you identified for this program? And how do you think you've done filling them so far?
3: Well, um, I think we all know um, um, offensive line-wise we, we need to um, feel, feel some hope there and, and um, I thought we did a good job so far and again we're not finished uh, from that standpoint I thought linebacker was another area to where we needed to, um, again, to add on to that depth and we signed three guys t- today and, and um, could improve on that as well you know but um, I knew going in we wasn't going to have a big offensive signing um, they, our guys would be more defensive guys going in but uh, feel good about our, our needs and, and, and what we were able to feel and um, again the beauty of this time compared to last year um, you got the guys and, and going into going into January it's only a, a few guys you have to, to get and, and you can really focus on the uh, 2020 class something we didn't we wasn't able to get a jump on last year because we we're still filling out our, our class um, for the 2018 se- season. So um, uh, that'll get us a jump start going, in, going into this next class.
5: Coach, there were some players that were committed to other programs that seemed to come visit Florida State in the last week or so. How would you kind of characterize uh, their ability, their talent, and,
0: and how you go about bringing in players that way in the process?
3: Well, I think a lot of those guys, um, I mean, you were evaluating, you're recruiting always to the end. I mean, a lot of those guys um, we've been in discussion with and been talking to and um, – When it comes to visiting and those things, those things happen sporadically for some of them. And um, I think because of the relationship that we've had and been working on it, it it got those young men to come on campus uh, at a time where they could. And it was good for us too. And uh, it was great. I know for us, we were only going to have one official visit weekend, you know, so, um, and that was um, last weekend. And so y'all were able to come then.
2: Uh, Willie, you guys uh, have a few guys from South Florida. You got signed, and then you have also have some other guys out there from South Florida. Um, could you, I guess, just to t- talk about the, the the staff that you have assembled and how that was a priority, I think, when you put together the staff. One of the benefits was you had some connections in South Florida.
3: Yeah, and it's good to, uh, to get down there and, and get some uh, some student athletes from, from down in South Florida. We know there's some really good football players down there that uh, – Thick recruiting base for everyone and, and I think if you look at Florida State in the past um, we've been able to go down there and get some really good football players to come here and help our football program and um, we have some guys on our staff who, who have relationships down there and it's always good to have relationships in there area it, it, it helps you when it comes to recruiting and, and I think it helped us in this in this uh, recruiting class of getting guys down there and and getting the kind of kid that we want in our program and, and, and we want to build our program around. And, and it helped us uh, going down there uh, this year.
2: Uh, Coach, today you
3: signed three members or three people who played secondary and then also you have three more commits who are also members of secondary whether they're safety or cornerback. Uh, how big of a priority was it for you to improve the secondary and then just how big is it for you to now, you know, depending on what happens with the players who are committed, but having signed just to have more depth back in the secondary? Well, was, that was, again, an area that we wanted to improve on and, and, and like I say, add to it. And not only add to it, add to it with some really good football players. And, and I think for us as a staff and being here for a year now and going through the conference and seeing exactly what you're up against, um, it, it helps. And I think all those young, young men that we signed and, and going to sign is, is going to help us. Um, going through our conference and and our opponents that we're going to have to play against but they're all very talented and and, uh, and I think we all understand in college football nowadays you better be talented um, especially in the back end Um, You have so many explosive offenses out there and doing a lot of different things and these guys that can can be able to cover you know Uh, so uh, I like the guys we have and uh, look forward to signing the guys that we're going to sign moving forward to, to help us get there
5: well, yeah, it's in, now that it's in the second year with the early signing period, so, uh, what are your further impressions of it? Um, how has it changed your life? Is it better or worse? Different?
3: Uh, hadn't changed my life. Still got to recruit. And still got to um, sell and, and hopefully uh, get the young men here. Um, it's just, you get some guys signed uh, uh, earlier than, than usual, you know, but um, I think it helped now that I'm not getting a job and, and trying to go out and some kids in two weeks you know so being here now longer it helps tremendously but I think more importantly it gets you gets you to the point where you can start on the next class a lot earlier you know when you're going out in January you're not actually running out looking for guys and finding guys you actually on to the next class and I mean there'll be a few guys like I said that um, you can add on to this class but for the most part you'll be moving on to the next class and, and I guess from that standpoint um, it, it helps. You know, you get some guys locked up, and you get to move on early, but not uh, too much difference.
0: So there you have it. Florida State addressing needs. Uh, this is this is how you sum up recruiting. Uh, this really goes back to the Bobby days, because he would say it, but they all say it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't trade my group for anybody else's group. We we met our needs. Took care of what we needed to. I mean, it's just the cliche after cliche. But is, in this case, Florida State, you know, we know they need linebackers and linemen. They've met some of that. There's some more still to come, potentially, because you can still sign for the next two days. And there's a few that are going to hold out and sign at the regular signing date. Uh, there's always some that get away. Uh, this class is going to wind up being heavy in defensive backs too, which and that was the way Jimbo recruited too. There were a lot of those guys because you can move them around. So you can of them, move them exactly. You can move them, you know. And nowadays, uh, you know, you're really playing five defensive backs as your base. Sometimes six, sometimes six. A majority of the time, depending on what you're going against. Yeah, so uh, that's where it is. As you and I talk, we don't know where the quarterback uh, chips. You know how they played out, so we really can't comment on that. I think the bigger thing is going to be. You take what Willie did last year at this time when he came in on short notice and got a class that finished what number ten I think eleven by some counts maybe and this year's class I think is probably going to finish in the ten to fifteen range again uh, which is not maybe what Florida State folks are accustomed to but but all things considered in light of the last two seasons I think you take that but but to me beyond that it goes back to regardless of the stars are these guys that are going to be completely bought in uh, you know recycling. This was now a second class, so in theory, half the roster is going to be his guys, uh, although you can argue that last year a lot of those guys were committed to Jimbo and he was able to, to keep some of them. But anyway, the point being, is is there going to be enough of a, a change in roster composition to get things headed the way you want them to head? Well, certainly you want to make progress. Uh, that's
1: a dumb statement. Um, but I think, too, um, bringing in these types of kids – uh, and and changing the philosophy, um, you know, I think I think Jimbo's the way things were put together. Jimbo was going after those five stars and wanted a bunch of five stars because he thought he could he could make them work. I think we're at the point now where where we need those John Crow and T K Weatheralls of the world that can come in and help build a team, and and that's why you and I, you know, we fuss about. I don't want any five stars. You want all of them or somewhere in between is is the correct way of doing it um but I think the composition of the class is going to be interesting to see how they influence the the kids that remain and how they build upon what they've got of themselves because uh, Willie will tell you that he he does some things a little differently in evaluating players than, than uh, you know every coach has their own way of doing it and you know building up that roster with his guys uh, is work in progress and work towards what he wants to do the bigger thing we haven't talked about it is you know uh, I think they're intentionally holding off uh, I personally think think they've got an offensive coordinator identified I think they're intentionally uh, not announcing uh, who that is until maybe after a bowl game or later on Uh, but I'm sure a lot of that uh, at least philosophically has been shared with these guys and I think there was a criticism or a thought that Willie and his group would not be able to sign on the offensive side because an offensive coordinator hasn't been named Uh, I think he's fared very well in that regard uh, so as those two come together the signing class and, and whoever the coaches are going to be you know we we go back to that half full and getting excited
0: again about the 2019 and getting season more better and getting more better you know what? we should uh a, a good place time to pontificate about all this we should we should be able to think and talk over something or during something maybe we could even preview the actual signing day because it would be right in the same time frame january 26th the tallahassee beer festival is going to be held at the Pavilion at the Tallahassee Center. It used to be the Tallahassee Mall. Beer from over 65 breweries. You can get uh, all the information you want at TLHbeerFestival.com. Would that be an appropriate place to that have That an appropriate place to have the conversation. It actually would be. You know why? Because we have no idea right now whether anybody who signed is going to be worth a flip or not until they get out on the field. So between now and then, all we're doing is conjecture. And as we sit here, we don't know who the offensive coordinator is either. We just have a thought. Pretty much as we sit here, we don't know anything. That's no different than any other week. Speaking of which, <laughs> next week, uh, happy holidays to you and yours. Next week, uh, we will not be live. We will be taped. And it will be a best of show, and we're gonna uh, we're gonna pull out the national championship interviews we did this uh, this year from soccer and softball, uh, including uh, Jesse Warren and, and Megan King and 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 Megan Conley and maybe Coach Krikorian, maybe Coach Alley. I don't know. We got to piece it together, fit it in an hour, and uh, say Thank happy holidays work. and happy New Years. That's what'll be coming your way next week. We'll talk to you then. Talk to you in two weeks. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>